guys, this is Desi, and welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So today I have a friend here, and his name is Zach. Zach is 27 years old. He came from a family of four, grew up in a broken home most of his life. He was an athlete as well while he was growing up with his family. He struggled with anxiety and depression at a very young age. He was also abused and has dealt with emotional abuse and physical abuse as well as sexual abuse. Zach, thank you for coming on my podcast, and welcome yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I got to be able to do this and kind of shed some light on uh, these situations. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you. You're the first male that I've had on here that talked about abuse. And I think it's so important to get a perspective from, you know, not just females, from males too. It, you know, it happens one in every six males have been physically, sexually, some type of abuse. So yeah, do you want to kind of just start by telling us your story and then we'll go from there? Yeah, absolutely. So I was raised in a very, kind of like you said at the beginning, like very dysfunctional family. Um, I don't have any real relatives. They're all uh, half sisters and half brothers. When I did, when I was growing up, I definitely had some issues with trust at a very young age, almost like OCD kind of and, and anxiety, right? So I would not go into my like classrooms or anything without the teacher walking me around the room. Because if there was one thing that was missing or one thing that wasn't in place, I wouldn't go into the room. And my parents were always like, why is he like this? Why is he like, what is going on with him? I don't know what's, what's wrong with him, if there's something really going on. But on, on the other side of that is that, you know, my family, my, my mom and dad <laughs> actually met. This is uh, kind of a, a weird thing, but my mom was a stripper and um, my dad met her at a strip club. And they actually ended up getting married and they had me uh, about a year into their relationship. But my dad took on all the kids that she had, right? And they were, they were actually abused as well through the old relationships. So as I was growing up, it was a very difficult situation for me because my dad was the type of person that if there was something wrong with me, there really was some, there wasn't anything wrong with me. It was always nope, he's fine. There's nothing going on. It's just, it is, he just had an answer for everything, right? Brushed so, everything off. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it even would come down. I broke my collarbone at a, seriously, probably when I was like four years old and my dad didn't believe it and grabbed my arm and ripped it up and was like, nope, he's fine. Oh my he's gosh. fine. And, you know, so, so like, before the sexual abuse and physical and mental abuse really was starting, I was already set off like, like I can't do anything. Like I, I'm scared to do anything. I'm scared to talk to anybody. I'm. I, I was a very. I was in my own shadow. I didn't want to come out. Right. Like I just. Mm -hmm. I just kind of stuck to myself and did what I was supposed to do. I already struggled with things growing up. So I was about six. I still remember this like super vividly. I was downstairs and my brother. My brother is the one that was sexually abusing me. Like literally. Like he was. He was eight years older than me. So he knew exactly what was going on, you know. And he's your half-brother, right? Yes, he's my yep. half-brother. So when all this was going on, he, <laughs> it started out with porn. Like, mm -hmm. I was six years old, and he, like, I had no, there was no innocence after that, right? So mm -hmm. I'm six years old, and he would have me watch these porn, like this porn or, or whatever, and, and do stuff to me. But I didn't know what was going on. I just thought it was like normal for this stuff to happen I like like deep down I was like th there's something a little weird about this right like it's mm -hmm. it's super sketchy of kind of the, the things that were going on and I, it got bad it got really really bad so you were six at this time when it started yeah six years old and he yes. so he was about 14 Four, actually 15 he was 15 years 15. old okay and this continued probably until I was nine or 10 until he got booted and just kind of left. Um, but when, when all these things would happen, um, you know, the next day at school or anything, I'd be really shy and teachers would always ask me like, are you, are you doing okay? Or is, is everything going all right? Is everything okay? I'm like, no, um, there's just some things going on in the house. And every time my teacher would call my dad or my mom, um, my mom obviously was a stripper. So she was always gone. But she also had to work a couple other jobs because my dad was jobless at the time. And uh, my dad never wanted to, to talk to my teachers or anything because they kind of knew what was going on. I, I told all my teachers and uh, nothing really came from it. 
uh, we were moving. You told your to teachers house. about your brother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so you did tell of, people. Yeah. So I was, I, I would tell my teachers, but my teachers at that point were kind of just like, I like, I don't really know like I, what to do with this. So they would try to contact my parents, but my parents would never bring it up. They never would mm-hmm. want to talk about it. So really growing up, it was, it was horrible. I, I didn't feel safe in my own home. I didn't feel safe. I, honestly, the safest place I felt was school. You know, like that's where I mm-hmm. felt the most comfortable. I was around my friends and it was just kind of like, like I hated being at home. I hated it so much. So the longer it went on, I moved up to my grandparents' house, but my brother was there too. And um, when I was there, it continued to happen and get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And the more I started to grasp it and kind of understand that, okay, this, this isn't okay. Like I, I was about nine years old at the time I was playing football. I was doing these things. And I, I was a very, like, I was a very violent kid at that age because of what was happening. Right. So, so, so at this point you guys lived with your grandparents. It was my grandparents. Yeah. So my grand, just the two of you. Just, yeah, just me and him. So my mom and dad would kind of come in and out here and there, but they were always busy with work or something like that. So, okay. So when this was going on, it was kind of in between the position of when me and my, well, my parents were getting a divorce. So we were kind of just in the middle of everything because still to this day, I don't know. They don't want to be honest with me either somebody was cheating or, or I don't know. I, I have okay, no idea. Okay. So they, you don't know what happened. Okay. Yeah. They've never been open about it or anything. So my mom pretty much leaves me and my brother are at my grandparents' house. It's still happening. We moved to South Jordan with my dad, of course. And when we were in that house, it stopped for a little bit. There was nothing going on. Right. Like I was like, okay, well, I'm still a little cautious. I'm scared of really what's going on. But my dad, my dad was very emotionally abusive. So if you were, hold on really quick, let me just ask you. So you were around nine or 10 at this time. Um, When things would happen with your brother before that, did you ever say, no, you didn't want to or anything like that? Or were you kind of just confused at that point? If I said no, I used to get beat up like that. Okay. So so you kind of just, just went with it. Yeah. So it was like, you either, I either do it or I get beat up and get my ass right okay so go continue so your dad was very emotionally abusive yeah so after all this is happening we move into the south jordan house and i was constantly constantly told by my dad through coaching at home that i was the just a dumbass just dumb as hell i'm stupid i don't know anything um and if i came to him to talk about anything he'd just blow up and literally grab me and start hitting me At, at that age i'm like I can't do anything. I literally, I cannot do anything. So the person I start looking up to is my brother, the mm-hmm. one that is abusing me. And I start, I start kind of idolizing him. I want to be just mm-hmm. like him. I don't know. I don't know why, but I see him coming home and he gets to go and do all these cool things with his friends. And I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be just like him. And, and so is the more I wanted to be like him, the worse it got for me. Like he never wanted me around, but things started to pick up again where it starts happening and happening and happening. And one day my dad came home and I was crying and I was on, I was on the phone with my mom and I was talking to her and my mom was like, what's going on? What's going on? And I was like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you right now. I just, I just need to talk to somebody. I don't know what's going on. My dad came home and found out I was talking to my mom. Slammed the phone down, hung it up, grabbed me by the ear and said, if you continue to talk to your mom and want to cry and bitch about things, then you're out of my house and you can live on your own. So I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what way to turn. I can't talk to my mom. I can't talk to him. I can't talk to my brother. I don't want to talk to anybody else about it. I became a person that, I had no hope. I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't, I had no hope in the world at all. I had zero. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't, I grew up, I didn't grow up in a religious family. You had um, no one to turn to at all. Nobody, zero, absolutely zero people to turn to at all. So now I'll, I'll kind of get into 
like where I started to become kind of where I was covering everything up, you know? Right. So during this um, time when things started picking back up again, how old were you at this point? 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You basically had to grow up really quickly. You grew up at like 12, yes. 13 years old. Okay. Yeah. And, and while this was going on, my dad was never around, right? And as soon as I was done with through my brother, it was like he would go and do everything. I, I literally raised myself from such a young age to where I'm at, literally through all the way through high school. And I would literally eat like packets of tuna and tortillas for dinner every night. And they were like, there were some like things I would eat. I knew they were expired, but that was the only way I could eat. Mm. So that's what I was eating. Cause my dad was out drinking with all of his buddies and stuff. Right. So it got to a point that if I asked for anything from my dad, I got yelled at and I got ridiculed and called a dumbass. And, and like, I thought this was normal. Like I thought this was how every family was because I was yeah. so young. Like I had no idea. I mean, I, and, and growing up, most of my friends' parents were the ones taking care of me. You know, I didn't want to leave their house. I hated going home. I hated yeah. going home. I you remember know? that uh, feeling of like wanting to sleep over at like all your friends' houses and stuff, yeah. like begging to sleep over places. And yeah, I, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. And once I started growing up and I got into my teen years, my brother actually got kicked out of the house. It was just okay. me and my dad. So all the sexual abuse really kind of stopped. He was gone. And this was around, you said around 12 yeah. this time? Okay. 12 and 13. But the problem is the now that my brother was gone, all the emotional abuse and everything that was going on got directed towards me 1000%. And my mom was my shelter. My mom was the person that I would turn to when these things got bad and I would talk to her and she would talk to me, but nothing would ever change. No right. one would ever want to talk to my dad about what was going on. And it was so bad. I remember a hundred percent, I was sitting at the dinner table and I asked my dad to help me with the homework. And he had these flashcards and I've never been super smart. My whole life I've been called a dumbass. So, mm -hmm. so I struggled. I was like, if I'm that big of a dumbass, why should I try? Right. There's no reason to try. So he was going over flashcards and I couldn't do it right. And he threw it directly into my face and said, you are the dumbest mother effer I've ever met. I'm done with you. Like, just, I'm done. I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, so I can't go to him for help either for, for homework that I get yelled at every night for. So now I remember it, it was actually, I think it was around that week. Actually, it might've been that night. I called my mom and she doesn't answer. She didn't answer for like two weeks. And then she called me two weeks later and said, hey, I, I moved, I'm in Wyoming. And just like, just oh, split, wow. like didn't tell anybody anything. So I'm left alone now. And I, I got to fight for myself. Like this is how, how it's going to be. So, so now that I've been raised, I'm doing everything myself. Still to this day, I, I do. I, I struggle with my dad. And I, I don't talk to my brother. I, I don't really talk to my dad. But my dad still has this compartmentalized in his mind that he was a great parent. And he's like, I gave you everything you ever wanted. I'm like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Dude? Yeah. You know, How long like, did you live with your dad? How, what, when did you finally move out? I was with him for a while. But I, I mostly stayed with my friends. So I was in his house till I was about like 21 and then I moved out, but I was always staying at someone else's house or my girlfriend's house at the time. So you were just um, never home. Okay. All right. I was just never home. But going through high school, he went through alcohol, like he was a super bad alcoholic and he would have all of his friends over and I would just get berated about everything, like everything. They used to call me a, like a fag, like all the his time. friends did yeah oh wow okay but they had no idea like they were constantly calling me that and like making fun of me and like pushing me around and stuff and like my dad did nothing like zero zip he wouldn't do anything and it built me up to be the like i'm not kidding i was such a violent person and had such bad rage issues that it was it was insane like i went through high school and I would, I would be this, I, I just used to beat people to like, I, it just all came out in, in fights and it was just straight rage. And I, there was times seriously that I like, I thought I was like, I'm either going to die or I'm going to kill somebody mm. because at this point I'm covering up everything that's happened. I saw my brother be that person. And I'm like, well, 
it looks like I got to be that person and I got to put on this front that I'm this manly person to hide the fact that I've been going through all of this stuff, but it was a complete lie. It was a complete right. lie, you know? And During that time, it, were you, how were you coping with everything other than the rage and the anger? Were you like doing drugs? Did you party? Did you, or kind so, of just to yourself? I got into drug selling, which was a big thing, but also a drug selling, like it came with, girls and it came with money of course like I, I had tons of money at that age and I would smoke every now and then but really I, I didn't really touch it because I didn't want to be like my dad and my and my brother that were always taking shit to make themselves feel different you know so I was mm -hmm. always I was always the type that kind of stood away from it but at the end of the day I gotta eat right. I gotta get something in my stomach so I started selling drugs and I just always was told that I'm this dumbass kid that can't do anything. So why not take that route? Mm -hmm. No one believed in me. And everyone, like I, I started to be like just super abrasive. I was always out. I was always talking out in class and literally like if someone looked at me wrong, I wanted to beat their face. In. And that's just like, mm -hmm. like that is not me. I know that's not me, mm -hmm. you know? And there's times still today that I'll see someone with my wife and they're terrified. They won't even come say hi. And I'm like, I apologize to them because that is not the person that I wanted to be. But mm -hmm. the physical and emotional and sexual abuse that was happening made me turn into a person that I, I hated. You know, I, I, right. it, was, it was such a big cover up and it was such a, a powerful feeling that when someone saw me, they were terrified. I was almost in the same shoes as my brother and my dad because when I saw them, I was terrified. Right. Mm -hmm. So like it was this feeling of empowerment, but deep down, like I was crushed. My soul was crushed. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I didn't tell anybody. No one knew this. The biggest problem is that it brought up things. It brought up addictions. Like I was a hundred percent addicted to pornography. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I thought that was right. right. I was like, I, I was abused. So I'll abuse this. And I, I mean, I struggled with it. I struggled with it every day through high school and even out, you know, I struggled with it. And until recently, mm -hmm. like I, 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 you know, I've been better, but it's like, it's, it's so crazy what abuse can turn into. It can turn into addictions. Mm -hmm. It can turn into, to all well, especially these because like you said, you were shown at it at such a young age. And so at such a young age, you were told it was okay. And so I mean, that's hard to kind of move on from something and to quit something that you've done since you were a little boy, you know? Right. During high school and all of this, did you ever tell your mom or dad, like, what your brother had done since he was no longer in the picture? No, I never told anybody. This stayed with me until I was 23 years old. Actually, it was one of the first dates. <laughs> this is this is horrible. Uh, it was one of the first dates I had with my wife. I drank too much and I had an outburst and I lost it. I got into that rage mode where it kind of gets super, super bad. So she drove me home and I sat on the couch with her, my dad and his girlfriend at the time. And I said, look, I, I gotta tell you something. Oh, you were with uh, your dad too, okay. Yeah, so I sat him down and I said, look, my brother was sexually abusing me from a young age. You constantly told me I was this dumbass and were physically abusive with me. And it has hurt me and, and it's done a lot of things. So my dad puts on a face in front of his girlfriend and my girlfriend and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I had no idea this was going on. And not once has he brought it back up to make sure I'm okay. Not once. Oh, wow. But before I told my dad, the only person that actually knew was your brother, Anthony. We were mm. driving and I told, it was just bugging me. I was like. Well, because I, like, I remember I, I knew years ago, but. I remember you weren't, you didn't want to talk about it. It's when we lived in that West Jordan house and you'd come over. Yeah. And I remember yeah. we would like make comments. And I remember me and you sitting outside smoking a cigarette yeah. one time. And we were talking a little bit about it. And it was before I had, I had talked about coming out with something, but I didn't know what yet. And I remember right. us talking a little bit about it, but yeah, you hadn't like really talked about it yet. Right. Right. And, and when I told Anthony, he, he was so, he was so great about it. And he's like, dude, like, that's not okay. He's like, but mm -hmm. the fact that you're telling people is very brave. And it made me feel empowered. And he kept, he, you know, he was telling me over and over again. He's like, you're not the victim, man. Like, you're winning this. You're constantly right. winning this. And that's what I needed in my life. I just need someone to back me up and, to, you know, to make me feel a little better. Because at that point, right. I was so lost. 
I was so lost. And at that time is when I, when I met my wife and I called her one day and I straight up told her like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to kill myself because I can't deal with this anymore. Like I, I cannot mm-hmm. deal with this anymore. Cause you never done therapy or you never did anything like that. No. Right. I never did therapy at this time at all. I had zero, absolutely zero, not like nothing. And I, I remember after all this happened and, and I called her and I told her I wanted to commit suicide and she calmed me down and talked to me and, you know, kind of got me in place and she's like, we need to get you some help. I'm like, okay. So the first person I go to, I was talking to him and it seemed like everything was going okay. Um, and I, I felt a little better, but I started to get flashbacks like bad. Mm-hmm. I would have fits of, of rage and I would be, I would literally be crying on the ground and my wife would be holding me and I would start screaming like, like just stuff from when I was a kid, like stop touch or it was, it, I was yelling out my brother's name to stop or my dad to stop. And she's like, what is going on? I have no idea. You were disassociating. Yeah, absolutely. And so that all, all of these things were happening. And then I went to another guy and when I was talking to him, he, he actually smirked and like almost laughed when I was telling him what I was going through. And that for me, that for me did it. I was like, I'm done. Like I, I just smirked and laughed. Like, like he didn't believe what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, man, like, (laughs) I don't know why that happened, but it did. And then when, when all these things were going on and I was struggling, I was struggling so bad. My wife, Kira, she wanted to make sure I was doing okay. So she's like, we need to make sure you're getting some, some really good help. But things were getting worse between us. Because mm-hmm. I, when, this is kind of going off topic, but my whole life, my dad was dating a married woman constantly. Like he will mm-hmm. jump from married woman to married woman constantly. And so the more I got close to Kira, the more I felt unsure that this stuff is going to happen. Like this is supposed to happen. Like she's going to leave me and go cheat on me and be with someone else. Cause I, I just have no trust. I have zero trust. Right. So combining mine and, and my wife's issues with the issues that I was dealing with created just an avalanche. Like right. it was every day we were fighting every day. I mean like violent, like not, of course, like not domestic violence, but it was, it got to a point to where it felt like it was going to escalate to that. Mm-hmm. And literally the fights were over nothing. It was over the dumbest things that had nothing to do with us seeing other people or finding something scandal, like none of that. It was just such small things that I would blow up. And I kind of looked at myself. I told my wife, I said, the way I'm handling things, I am no better than how my dad has acted and my brother. There's just, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of had a realization that the things I hated most I was turning into. All right, guys. So if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me wearing and repping the cutest leggings and workout gear. Well, all of that is from my ladies at Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10, Darkness Before Dawn on season one, which was about suicide prevention. Clone specializes in apparel for every booty and boob type. Plus, they have stuff for men as well. I can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up my kids and never have to worry about them moving, scrunching, or showing my booty. They are squat proof, moisture wicking, and did I mention super affordable? I'm talking nothing over $45. They will be launching new styles including high-waisted workout shorts this month, which I seriously cannot wait for check out the clone highlight on my Instagram page and make sure you follow them on Facebook and or Instagram at clone apparel. That's K L O N apparel. And the link to their website is in the bio. Also, if you use the discount code candle in a dark room, one word, you will get 20% off. So make sure you check them out now. You will not regret it. So as bad as I was abused, and some part of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I got to be that way too. And therapy and things like that just never really, never really did anything for me because I kept having to relive it to where it was affecting me so bad that I couldn't deal with it anymore. Because you, know? you weren't and, doing the right, yeah, you weren't doing the right treatment to 
help you move past the trauma. Instead, they were basically right. bringing you back into the trauma, which we right. hadn't ever dealt with it before. So that wasn't the right, you know, move. Right. So when you had started hanging out with Anthony a lot, and that's when we lived in our house in West Jordan, and we would see you and stuff, and you were going to church, and you were doing, you know, a lot of things differently. And then things kind of, and then you kind of disappeared. We didn't, and then we didn't mm -hmm. see you for a few years. Can you kind of explain kind of, you know, when things were really good with you, like when you were, were really close to Anthony and then kind of how things dipped and then what brought you back? Yeah, absolutely. So me and Anthony were great. He introduced me to, to who Jesus was and I became a Christian. And, and how that's did where you my meet? life, how did me and Anthony meet? Yeah. You okay, guys met so and played me football, and, didn't you? Oh yeah. We were like 11 okay. years old. Yeah. We were 11 okay. years old okay. and, and we played the positions right next to each other. He was running back. I was fullback and he was, we were both linebackers. And, uh, and then you guys reconnected, right? Right. Yeah. So through high school and stuff, I mean, everyone kind of just falls apart and does their thing, you know, but right. I, I reached out to Anthony when I was 21 and I said, Hey man, is there a Bible study I can go to? Cause I just need some hope. I just need something. I had no idea who Jesus was or anything like that. So and at this like, point right. he was really promoting cause he was a youth pastor. And so he was right doing all right. that okay yeah so so we met up and had a bible study and he kind of told me who jesus was and i knew that's what i wanted i was like i need some guidance in my life so our friendship turned into like we were best friends we were inseparable so we moved in together and when we moved in together things got it they were super good but my family life took a big dip so my mom was diagnosed with cancer from what everyone <laughs> was telling me so I'm like dude I, I'm struggling right now like I, I, I need to go I, I don't know what I need I, I need some help I, I'm still struggling with the things that I'm dealing with and it turned into straight I, I was an alcoholic like I was mm -hmm. drinking every night every single night and that's where things started to kind of dip and Anthony talks to me about it all the time of how he was like man I I, I feel so bad that I was just pushing Jesus on you saying, you know, just pray about it. You'll get through it. Just pray about it. But when I would pray, nothing would happen. I didn't mm -hmm. feel anything. I was like, I'm just like, man, like what else can go wrong? Like, honestly, what else can go wrong? And then come to find out my sister at that time said she had stage five cancer, ovarian cancer. So my mom and my sister, and I'm like, holy, sh like what? Like, what, what do I got to do? So I was like, dude, I just vanished because I thought I had to go take care of him and do my thing. Right. But at the same time, I was so down that at any moment I thought I was like, I don't care if I live or die. I don't care. Like I'm so stressed out. I don't know what to do. And nobody can give me the answers that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Like I'm looking for a specific answer, which is super weird, but I'm looking for. No, it's like, not weird. I mean, I think that when you're in a, in such distress and all like so much stuff is happening at once. And especially if you are a Christian or you are looking to your higher power, you're like, Hey, hello, here I am. Where's my answers? Mm -hmm. Like, why is nobody there when I need them? You yeah. know? And so I, yeah. I think that's a very common thing is to want a specific answer, to not get it and not to see the specific answer you want makes you lose that hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so while this was going on, I actually turned to my dad. And my dad came out and was kind of, he was okay about things. Like, you know, he, I, I feel like he really was generally trying to, to make me feel a little better about what was going on. So I would go up to Wyoming and see my mom all the time, but something was up. I knew something was like not right. So with her, with her and my sister. Okay. So I would go up there and I'm like, Hey, like so far, this is what everyone has told me about you having cancer. Like what's going on? And she had a tumor on the back of her knee. And she would never show me. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? She would never show me anything. And, and every time I went to the hospital, she, she was in the hospital all the time. And so I would go up there and she would have me like leave the room and stuff. So that I, I had no idea what was going on. I have no idea. Yeah. At this point, my, my sister and my mom were both in the hospital at the same time. And to find out, my mom kept me out of the loop of everything. She just kind of shoved me to the side and while I was up there. So we had like this this big fundraiser for my sister and we raise all this money for her and then bam she's gone she just leaves your mom <laughs> so did? no my she, sister 
Oh, your sister. So you have a fundraiser for your sister, and she just took yeah. took takes off. She did. Okay. She's like, see out. It's like she's gone. And okay. to find out, she lied about the whole thing. She took all Ooh. the money for her cancer <gasps> thing and dipped, and was gone. And I'm sitting here like, yo, like that money could have went towards mom, or you know, like what, like what is going oh on? <laughs> so like, this is the worst. I have to go up there. And I have to see my brother every time I go up there because he moved up there. And I have to so sit with him. And, yes. And I like, I do forgive him for what happened. I really do. But at that point in my life, he scared the shit out of me. I didn't want to be near him. I, I did not want to even be near him. And while all this is going on, he's telling me, yeah, mom's got about like six months to live. Like that's all she's got. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, I, I don't know what is going on. Like, I couldn't tell what from left, right. I couldn't, I just couldn't even handle anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing everything I possibly can to go up there and see him and see him. But yet nothing has happened. So I'm like, you know what? I will stay in contact with my mom, but everyone else is cut off. Like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I've cut, literally, I've cut my dad off. My brother, my sister, my mom stayed in the picture because I love my mom. But I kind of just stuck to myself. and then. It, once I came back, I kind of messaged Anthony. I'm like, look, man, like I'm just going through way too much. Like, I'm not sure what's going on, but you know, I'm just, I went ghost for a while. I just kind of found out who I really was and, and kind of mm. dealt with some things inside and, and got some help and, you know, really, really, really dug deep into to building a relationship with God and asking him to guide me a little bit. Cause at that time I was still struggling with pornography addiction wanting to fight all the time in my rage and drinking. So I really asked for some guidance and, and I prayed and prayed. And, and the more I did, I honestly started to change and it wasn't overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, I still had issues. I still struggle. But right after that happened, once I started talking back to Anthony, me and my wife got engaged and she really has just taken everything upon herself to help me. And I don't expect her to understand where I come from, but you know, as well as I do, like you want that connection with somebody that understands where you're coming from. Right. Right. You know, and I, I always expect her to be like, I always tell her, I'm like, you just don't understand. And she doesn't. And I don't expect right. her to. So it's, it's, it's super selfish of me to put my things on her and be like, you just don't understand. Well, it's but just she, like you said, it's just that you want to be understood. I mean, it, yeah. you want, you want to be understood. And the fact, and I get it too, you know, Nick does his best to understand me, but he doesn't he doesn't understand yeah. all of it yes he understands me he knows how to help me in certain ways but does he know what the pain is and what it feels like right. you know absolutely not but I get that frustration and I even tell him sometimes like you don't get it and I feel like that doesn't really ever go away you just have to kind of yeah. learn to accept like you know what they're never gonna get it but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they can't love you and they can't support you you know right Right. And while I was with my fiance at the time, she really started to see the side of my dad that she couldn't see. So my dad, when he was dating these women, he would take care of their kids like gold, like absolute gold. If they needed anything, if they needed money, this is a guy that wouldn't pick me up from my friend's house. He'd throw a fit because he dropped me off mm -hmm. and expected me to like walk. Like he just expected everything to be done for him. And she started to see this side of him and she started talking to me about it, of really what was going on. And she, she was always like, man, was your dad, did your dad like physically get abusive with you? And my dad never really got too bad, but it got to a point to where I was terrified of him. Like mm -hmm. absolutely terrified. And I still to this day, I am. There's just times and I, I don't talk to him. We'll talk here and there, but there's just times that I'm just like, how could someone do that? to your own you know if kid, yeah. how can you treat someone else's kids so much better than your own and it's just caused so many issues between us and it's caused so many issues of when I was younger that it was just so bad I mean being raised by my best friend at the time his name was Anthony actually at that time his parents were taking care of me in high school you know mm -hmm. all the way through high school because my dad just it felt like I was more of a, he just wanted nothing to do with me you know yeah have you confronted your dad about all about this, about how it's made you feel or anything since you've been an adult? Yeah, I have. Other than that one night when you were drunk? <laughs> yeah, uh, actually I have. And um, when I do, he does apologize. He He's trying to make an effort to be better. But for me, it's like, look, man, like 
I've waited so long to tell you these things, but he always gets upset and leaves and just gets pissed off. Mm. So when I do talk to him about these things, he then comes back and he's like, look, I'm, I'm so sorry. But for me, I'm like, man, it's like when I do have kids, I'm like struggling to be like, I want you to meet them because it's such a bad time in my life that I, I don't want my kids to be like, oh, it's, it's grandpa. And I'm like, I'm, I have all this resentment towards him. You know, it's just, well, it's just a, a trigger. Super, it's a trigger for yeah. you to see that. It's a trigger because you know how he truly is, but you also see how fake he is. You see this both sides. And so that's hard because it's like, okay, well, you were never like that with me, but you're like yeah. that with these kids. And so, yeah, I could see that being hard because, yeah, he might come in and try to be the grandpa of the year, but is it sincere or is it just acting? You know, yeah. so I could see that being yeah. definitely hard. And there's there's plenty of times, like with my wife's family, I get I almost get jealous because of how close they are. You know, I'm like, because if I had just anything at that time in my life, I'd be like, dang, my life would be different. But at the same time, the person I am today, I'm super proud because a lot of people don't get dealt the hands that we've been dealt. But right. the fact we're still standing and be able to tell our story, I think is, is excellent. And, you know, I like through this podcast, it's such a blessing because even if it's just one person that can get something from it, you know, it could be right. that one person that needs it. The crazy thing is, is I started telling people more of my story and it was a couple of my group of friends. I literally have told them, I'm like, look, this is why the way I am. And this is what's happened. And you, I was shocked that like two of my best friends were like, yo, like I've dealt with that too. I'm oh, wow. Like, so I'm not the only guy here that feels weird about this stuff, you know? And you know, it's just, it, it's so bad that people have to go through this and deal with it. But at the same time, it makes you such a stronger individual at the end of the day, you know, and it's, it's going to make me a way better dad. And it's made me a better husband to understand that stuff at a young age, right. you know? No, it, and it will. I mean, it makes you stronger. Like you said, it makes you more aware. It makes you more open, you know, but here's mm -hmm. my thing is because you're in a good place now, but how have you gotten with like the sexual abuse and all that, how have you kind of moved past those things and gotten to a good place where you are now? Um, Not necessarily honestly, moved past, that might be the wrong word. More like how right. you coped. Honestly, the, the way I cope with it is really through a lot of prayer and forgiveness. I think that's the only way I can cope is to learn how to forgive. Because if I, if I don't learn how to cope with it and understand that, hey, this actually happened, I would go off the rails and become that person. And for me, it's just like, I just, I got to forgive. And, and I feel like I'm a huge lover. And that's the way I look at it now is I was such an arrogant, want to hurt everybody. Now I just use my heart. And I'm like, look, I, I, I've told my brother, I forgive you. I do forgive you for what happened. And that put me in a better place. Have you talked to him about that? Like, yeah, since you've been an adult and what's his response? He didn't really say anything. He just kind of sat there. Okay. And I think he kind of knew. And I told him, I said, look, however you want to take it but I forgive you and I do love you you're my brother at the end of the day you're my brother I do love you but we have stayed so far apart and I don't really connect with him but I just wanted to let him know I forgive you you know he had wow. a hard life too girl that so, is, I mean just the fact that you can even say that I think is such a huge huge example for people because that is such a hard thing to do. And I know that from personal experience, forgiving your perpetrator for people that hurt you is the hardest thing. But doing that for your own family member, your brother, your mm -hmm. blood, you didn't have to, you don't have to do that. And the fact that you do and you're so willing and loving about it, I think just shows your true character and your strength with all of this. And right. you know, right. your brother is lucky to have someone like you who's able to forgive him for that because that could mm -hmm. make a big difference in his life you know and that's the thing is you know the more I got into Christianity the more I was like I gotta learn how to forgive people I really do like mm -hmm. that's just a part of who I am now I'm not that because if you person, don't forgive so people you're not gonna be able to move on and that's what I exactly and don't and people always ask me that like we need to talk about forgiveness with my stepdad I don't love him I don't you know, forget what mm -hmm. he did or anything, but I had to come to a point where I forgave him and had to let it go mm -hmm. because it, all it was doing was holding on to bitterness and pain in my own heart. And that, mm -hmm. and like for you, same thing, you had that anger towards your dad and your brother for so many years. All it did was cause you pain, you heartbreak, mm -hmm. your anger, your yeah. sadness, everything you were dealing with. I mean, they were still out there living their life the way they wanted to live it. And mm -hmm. all the only one it was affecting was you. 
So mm-hmm. for you to get to that place now and be in that place, it turned your life a complete 180 because you did choose Absolutely. to make that choice. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, like I said earlier, I'm still trying to forgive my dad. It's really, it's harder for me to, which is weird. It's harder to forgive my dad than it is to forgive my brother. Um, and I think that's because as a He's person, your dad and he was supposed to protect I, you, I think. Absolutely. And not only that, it's more of like, so you're going to treat, like, I've seen the eight faces that you wear and it's yeah. like, like, you treat other kids so much better than you treated me. And it's just like a big slap to the face, you know? So yeah. when he says, sorry, it, and it makes it obvious that he's capable of doing it. And the fact that he didn't, it's like, well, what the hell? And then you can't help yeah. but may look at yourself and be like, what the heck was wrong with me that you couldn't treat me that way. And so I could totally, exactly. like, I don't blame you for still having some, resentment towards that that'd be hard and and i'm still like still to this day like he he called the day and i'm not i'm gonna be the first one to say i hit the ignore button because i just i i'm struggling still with him you know i still have struggles i still have and you're gonna have days yeah you're gonna have days where you know maybe one day next week he'll call and you'll be like you know it's okay i feel strong enough to talk to him today Mm -hmm. and then there'll be other days where you're just like you know what f you like i want nothing to do with you right Mm -hmm. now and you have every right to, to fill those feelings and you know, yeah. he kind of lost that right to kind of fight you on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so and I think that's perfectly okay. I think the hardest part of that too is he's a he's a very good manipulator. You know, I've I, there's been times where I've talked to him about the the issues I've had uh, with him, especially, and somehow it turns back to being you know my fault about things, and I believe it. You know, not accepting any responsibility. And, yeah, and and. I think a big part of me, I told my wife the other day, actually yesterday we were coming home from the grocery store and I said, you know, I think I'm just at the point of just cutting him off. I love my dad. He's my dad, but I just, I, I just can't deal with it anymore. It literally has caused me so much stress and anxiety and depression it, that I just don't feel like I'm enough. You know. Well, I feel like what I could see and what we've talked about in the past and even from my own experiences, I could see that being like, okay, you're taking 10 steps forward to be in this good place, this good state of mind to be, you know, in a really good place with God, a good place with your wife. And then you talk to your dad and it's like, damn, you just took six steps back every single time. And that's, I think that's Mm -hmm. a lot of people who've been through trauma with their parents. I think that's a huge, huge thing because you get excited and proud of who you are. And when you don't get that validation from your parents and they said you get old behavior, like him acting the way he used to with you or acting like it's not a big deal that you're as good as doing as good as you are now or whatever it is you feel like you just got pushed back down and you're this thing again you know what I mean mm-hmm. and you're just this tiny yeah. little thing now and so it, it, it messes with you it totally mind screws you yeah. in your head where you're just like wow that was pointless I was feeling really good until that conversation you know yeah. I mean and so there's I, times I get that yeah, there's times where I could have the best day ever, and then I see my phone ring, and it's my dad, and I'm like, oh, man. instant, like instant rage and instant, like, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, like I could be driving and listening to music, feeling good, like I feel close to God, I'm, I'm cool and I'm chilling, and then he calls, and I'm like, <laughs> I just lose it, I'm like, you're like, I, screw I, I everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I hate this, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a super long journey, but you know, I'm, I really am, I'm. I'm super proud of of the man I've become and and lover I've become instead of being a person that wants to to hurt everybody. You're not full of anger anymore. You're full of love, and I think that's that's great. And you and you and and instead of following the cycle back, you're breaking the cycle, and that's a huge thing. You know, I was I talked to the people I coach on trauma, and we talk about that breaking the cycle. Your dad was probably abused. Your mom was probably abused. So then they did the same thing to you. And then their parents probably did the same thing to them. It, they mm-hmm. all were doing it. It's a cycle. But you came in, you decided to put your dedication into, you know, following your higher power, into God, praying, into helping, you know, um, getting your anger under control, doing the steps that you needed to take to get to where you are now. And now, yeah, you don't have kids yet, but when you do have kids, you now know what the cycle is and you're breaking the cycle. You now know how you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be angry. And so you don't want to tell your kids that they're a piece of shit or that they're and, not smart or if anything, you're yeah. the opposite. And I'm the same way. You know, my stepdad was very verbally abusive as well. And I, on a regular basis, I'm almost that annoying mom where I constantly tell my kids, mm-hmm. you're perfect. You're smart. You're brave. You're beautiful. You're, you know, all those things to where it's almost annoying, but to the point where, now my kids, I mean, my kids think that they're mm-hmm. the shit. Because, and it might be kind of annoying right now, 
but you know what? When they grow up, they're going to be confident because they were never told that they're those right. mean affirmations. You know, I've done an episode on bullying before and bullies that we carry on our entire lives, 90 something percent of them come from the household we grew up in. So you grew up with negative affirmations to yourself, the negative self-talk to yourself, the labels that you carried on like a scarlet letter, you carried those your entire life because that is what you were told your entire life. And again, once you finally had to let go of those words and those labels that people put on you is where you're kind of starting to get to where you are now. You're not a piece of shit. You're not a dumbass. You're smart. You're mm-hmm. becoming successful. You've got a life. You're putting, you're getting your shit together. You know, you've got a, you know, your marriage, you're getting, a, you're getting your life together in a way that you never thought that you would have because of the way your dad mm-hmm. talked to you. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it's a screw you. I'm going to do mm-hmm. opposite of what you said I was going to do. I'm going to be the husband and father that you weren't. Now mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to be, you know? And I just think it's important. And it's something that Breaking, like I said, breaking the cycle is such an important thing at mm-hmm. starting over. It's such an important thing to start over, especially for your own children, because again, it easily can be passed down. Those type of triggers and those type of emotions and those type of things could be passed down. But I'm super proud of you for kicking that in the butt now and yeah. really like taking the work. And like you said, are you going to be like perfect and all of a sudden everything's going to be better and you're going to be fine? No. You're going to have to deal with your PTSD. You're going to have to deal with your flashbacks. You're going to have to go Mm -hmm. through some, probably some therapy again at some point with someone that you trust. You're going to have to do those steps to continue down a healthy road. But the fact that you are where you are now is just, I mean, it's a huge step. So keep doing what you're doing back and keep, you know, keep praying to God and keep following higher power and reach out to people, talk about it. You know, don't hold it in. Cause I think that was another big issue is you held things in for so long until when you exploded, it was a volcano and it couldn't be stopped mm. because you were holding it in for so many years. You were a punching bag for more than one person. And so the fact that now when people say, look at you wrong, what do you do? You, you know, you used to, what did you used to do? You used to freak out because mm-hmm. that's just what you were do. You didn't have control in your own home, but you had control outside of your home. So that's where you mm-hmm. tried to take control. And Anthony was the same way. And I only say that he'll have to tell his story one day, but Anthony will tell you himself, you know, and you know, he dealt with anger because of his abuse. And I mean, he would go out to like parties or whatever. And I'm not kidding. Somebody would look at him more wrong and they'd be blowing, mm-hmm. blowing, blowing mm-hmm. balls at each other. And I mean, you forget it. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. just a mess. He'd be getting called. Yeah, I got in a fight. And it's like, you know, things like that. But until he finally had to let go of some of that anger, that's the only reason why he was able to move past that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's definitely what you've had to go through. You know, I, the older I've gotten too, like I've noticed like anger is such a weak emotion, man. Like it's like, it's so easy to get to and it's so easy to just lose all control, but it really takes, it takes an adult and it takes a man to really be like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to think yeah, about what I can do better, it. you know? Yeah. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I, 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 I really want to be okay to come to terms with, with my dad, especially because at the end of the day, he is my dad and I do love him, you know, but I'm glad I am the person I am. And, you know, I've, I've turned out to be, I feel like a very good husband and good friend. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think at any time in my life, it could have turned bad, but really uh, like no lie without Anthony and, and your family and, you know, even your story and your guidance, I, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today. You know, so it's very appreciative what you guys have done for me, you know. Well, thank you. And I'm glad, I mean, you know, we're all here for you and you have a really good support system now. And I'm really proud of you for wanting to do this and wanting to talk about this. Because like I said, when I introduced you is, is you're the first male that's wanted to do this. I had another male that talked about mental health, but to talk about the actual abuse itself, I haven't had anyone. So that's super brave of you. And I'm really glad that you're using your voice now to want to make a difference to stop it because it's something that needs to be heard. I was looking at statistics and one out of every 10 rapes are male. And I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of like abuse to happen to a man. And about 3% are American men. One, One in 33 have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Like that blows my mind because it's not talked about like that. You know, I know Mm -hmm. it's out there and I know it is, but the fact that it's not talked about as much blows my mind. 
And yeah, you know, yeah. everyone knows that women are a lot more subjective to being victims, but the statistics of men are so high as well. And so, yeah, I think it's just super brave and I really like commend you for wanting to talk about it. And it's something that needs to be talked about more so it can be stopped. And yeah, yeah. I think a lot of yeah. men that will, a lot of boys, men that listen to this, I hope that they like, if it's happening in their home by a loved one, you know, whatever, I think that's a lot, that's a, another common thing. It's usually a brother, an uncle or grandpa, somebody like that in the family, yeah. because it's, it's easy, it's accessible. And so again, if you're listening to this and you're in that situation, it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you any of those things. It's okay to ask for help in those situations. And, you know, I'm sad that you didn't ever get that help and you never were protected in that way. But I'm also really happy and proud of how you've handled it. And now just continue to be a voice and, you know, you can use this to help others one day. And I think that that's kind of the road that you're going on is to make a difference with your story. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I don't tell you enough, but I'm, I'm super proud of, of the person you've been through. You've been through hell and back and, <laughs> you know, you really, you really are an inspiration for me as well. And I, I hope you know that. Thank you. So. No, I do. Thank you so much, Zach. I appreciate it. Well, you guys, if you want to contact Zach, if you maybe want to talk to him about experiences you had, you can go to my Facebook at Candle in a Dark Room and let me know and I will give you Zach's information and you can reach out to him as well. Zach, again, thank you for coming on and being open and honest. And if you guys have any, maybe any questions that you have for him as well, we could do maybe a question like live Q&A one day or whatever. So just make sure you uh, send me a message on at Candle Dark Room. Make sure you're following my page and I hope we will talk to you guys soon.